Hey, did you miss us? We're back from a summer break, rested and ready to talk productivity. Join us as we discuss the key difference between production and productivity. We'll also tackle the problem with productivity apps as employed by McGregor's dreaded Manager X. To join the conversation, follow us on Twitter at GuildmasterC. Check out our blog at www.guildmasterconsulting.com blog, or subscribe to and comment on our YouTube channel. Simply search Guildmaster Consulting in quotes and you'll find us. Welcome to Somehow We Manage, the podcast for software engineers and their managers. I'm Dr. Ashley Graham. And I'm John Graham, and this is Guildmaster Consulting. Yeah, and today we're going to be talking about productivity. I feel like that's something everyone has a stake in, you know, even outside of (laughs) managers. But tell me a little bit about what got this on your mind more recently, because I feel like it's something that's always been on your mind, but you really seem pressed today to talk about it. Well, I had an article sent our way from the New York Times that recently covered some of these new, quote, productivity, unquote, tracking app or, or software that more and more employers appear to be using. Now, I don't know how many more employers are using it. I, I have some severe doubts that it's widely taking off, but they interviewed a handful of people who seem to be on both sides of this issue, both managers as well as contributors. So I was looked at the history and kind of left it up to the reader to decide. But it's pretty clear that these are really bad idea. Do not, uh, if you're in a management position, these don't be being tempted. These apps? These apps. Okay. Yeah. Don't, don't be tempted by these apps. I think we're kind of in this state where uh, there's still a lot of pushback from formerly very empowered management. You know, we had 30, 40 years where a lot of power flowed to management away from labor. And then we had the great resignation where it was starting to flow back. And of course, any feeling that somebody's losing something, it hurts a lot more. Hmm. Uh, So there's this feeling that this isn't fair, this isn't right. And you even had small businesses going under because they simply refused to raise wages. They'd rather go bankrupt than raise Hmm. wages. And I think this interest in these time tracking apps, which are often very micromanaging and onerous uh, on the employee is another aspect of this. Uh, Okay, sure, you can work from home one day a week, but uh, only if you install uh, this suite of packages so we can monitor your quote unquote productivity. Hmm. So just real quick, because I've been thinking about this in consulting on cost capitalization for R&D for software shops. Mm -hmm. Uh, is Is it that kind of software where it's tracking, you know, how many commits you're doing, um, or is no. this... Okay, okay. That kind of software... Seems less invasive, it's, right? It's less invasive it's time and, tracking. and can be tied a little bit more closely to results. I wouldn't necessarily say track commits and you're right. done. Right, that's not a, um, an indication of productivity. But it, yeah, but at least indication you're indication of production. Yes. <laughs> yeah. These apps are looking for mouse movement. Oh, They're looking okay. for numbers of emails sent. They're looking for uh, some will take pictures using your camera to see if you're there. These apps measure effort. They do not measure productivity. Or presence. Yeah. They measure a correlate Mm. of effort. Mm -hmm. They assume you have to be in the seat to put forth effort, which Mm -hmm. often isn't the case. Right. Like Uh, go on a walk to think through how to respond to There's all kinds of ways to put together effort. Yeah. But they're certainly not measuring productivity. Okay. And that, I think, is the most important uh, management aspect. From a humanitarian point of view, this is awful. Don't do this. This 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 Big is brother. incredibly disrespectful. Yeah. From a management point of view, this is a bad idea because you are measuring the wrong thing. You are measuring. You are attempting to measure effort through measuring presence. You are not measuring productivity. 
and you can't me- you can't improve productivity this way. Hmm. I guess you're drawing this distinction between effort and productivity. Why is it important to draw that distinction? Productivity, and I have to I will say this twice in a okay, row please. because everyone gets this wrong. Okay. And I do not know why. Okay. Productivity is increased output per unit input. That is productivity. That is productivity as defined by management academics, as defined by economists, as defined by operations theorists. That is productivity. Okay, say it one more time. Productivity is output per unit input. Hmm. Often what people get confused on is they measure production, total output. Mm -hmm. You might have somebody put in a long day and say I was very productive. Mm -hmm. They weren't. They were average productive. Right. They just because they put in more hours, more input. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, And then, of course, you also see these uh, examples of measuring uh, inputs, effort, or attempting to measure inputs, and just assuming that the more inputs we put in, the more outputs we'll get. But that's not true. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about productivity. Okay. So you can see how absurd this notion is. (laughs) Productivity is really hard to increase. We can go over how you would increase it. It's well understood how you increase productivity. Time tracking apps are not one of the things you use to increase productivity. <laughs> like this is this is a solved problem. We know this. I mean, in your opinion, what do time tracking apps increase? Like anxiety, uh, they increase anxiety, <laughs> frustration, competitiveness, mm, yeah. gaming. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Negative behaviors. Yes. yes negative okay. behaviors. By measuring inputs, mm-hmm. everybody who's been in a middle management position, you have a certain amount of budget, $10,000 or something a year for advertising or $100,000 for advertising. And if you don't spend it, you lose it, which is pretty dumb because that kind of encourages you to spend it on all kinds of bad things. Mm-hmm. This is a great example of this sort of tracking, mm-hmm. making you less productive. I mean, I've seen that in nonprofits, especially because they have grants and you have to spend the grant. And so yes. they might create create work that they didn't have to actually give. I, I mean, one of my first jobs was beneficiary of that. Like, oh, we have this grant we didn't spend. Suddenly, like, we just need you to fill 400 hours. Yes. Well, what's the priority? You know, what kind of work do you want to spin that on. It's like, oh, it, it doesn't matter. Just make sure that you can show that you spend 400 hours. And so let's talk about that. Let's say you put in 400 hours before mm-hmm. uh, instructed to put in 400 more mm-hmm. and you had priorities mm-hmm. and you had definite needs mm-hmm. and you had ways to measure the output mm-hmm. and you did good quality work. So the productivity was probably pretty high. You had 400 hours of input mm-hmm. and you had this measurable output. Mm-hmm. Then you had another 400 hours of input. Nobody, nobody cared at all about the output. Your productivity went down. Yeah. It went down. You could just count all that as zero and say your productivity was cut in half. And that's what these time tracking apps can do. And you can see this in the workplace too. You'll see, oh, we have a better way to do this. And there's going to be intransigence against a better way to do this because the way it's being done, perhaps a peer review process or a design review or how to handle the ticket, the way it's being done fills up a certain number of hours and keeps a person busy. And they don't want to be less busy because they're afraid of getting called a slacker or getting called, you know, shirking work. It's like, no, this keeps me busy. I need to keep 
it this way because I know what to do and I know I won't be hassled. If you cut any hours out of this, I'm going to have to figure out what to do with those hours. Hmm. I'm going to have to learn something new or yeah. start something new that I'm gonna, yeah. may not. I mean, did you see that in defense? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I was I was just thinking that the incentives aren't that different from because, the nonprofit example yeah, I gave. You have, in a lot of cases, you have a set budget mm-hmm. or a worst case scenario. Now, the government was trying to move away from cost plus. But you had these cost plus contracts where it's just like it was in the contractor's interest to try and figure out the most hours to charge for something. Mm. And it is so easy to be less productive and so hard to be more productive. If we're being counted for lines of code, well, I can rewrite any program (laughs) into many more lines of code. I can be less productive. Which is it's trivial. It's worse for the code, right? Yes. Like to it's always take worse. out the refactoring, yes. essentially. Yes, it's harder to maintain, but that doesn't matter. We're, we're counting lines of code. Uh-huh. These are costs. Yeah. Effort is a cost. Yeah. You want to minimize costs. That's part of increasing productivity. If we min- if we keep the output stable and minimize the input, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. we've max we've increased it's output per unit yeah. of input. Yeah. You can also increase output. Or both. So this reminds me, actually, you're probably not going this direction, but when you were talking about a defense contractor, this is just even software engineering contractors. Like, I know some shops I've consulted, they they wanted to get more contractors because they were worried about spending money on full-time engineers, which I get it for, like, a very small startup. You, you know, trying to explain to maybe a non-technical person why it's not in their best interest to have a software contractor because the software contractors incentives are aligned to be to increase their production in terms or, or increase their input right but not necessarily yeah yeah they're paid more per hour right, by right, the number of hours right, they charge right like throwing more time at something doesn't mean that you're actually getting what you want yes <laughs> and and that was the thing that was so hard to to convince us, like, if you have a full-time employee, they're going to want to optimize for productivity, for efficiency, for yeah. the most part. Yeah. They're they're going to want to think of how to make their lives easier. Yeah. To reduce exactly. hours. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I even saw that in the great resignation economy of like, hey, we don't care how many hours you're putting in if you get your work done. Like, there yeah. were some companies who went that direction. Yes. The, uh, the results-oriented work mm-hmm, environment mm-hmm. direction. Yeah. Yes. And that aligns the incentives for the employee to yes. want to get that productivity ratio. Absolutely. Sorry, I think I was interrupting where you were going, but it's just no, something I was thinking about. That's actually that's actually where I was going. Oh, okay. Um, cool. The, the issue with the results-oriented work environment is that many managers, I love y'all, <laughs> but you don't appear to want to define success. And because you can't define success, that's the output. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to define the output or it sounds challenging or you don't know how, you start measuring the input. And it is leadership and management, and those are two different things, but it is both of their jobs to help define success. Uh, it is leadership's job through establishing a vision and it's management's job in turning that vision into concrete action. And it is difficult. It's scary. And you are ter- making things up out of thin air. That's what having a vision is. It's not here yet. I'm just going to say that this is our goal. Hmm. Um, and so I can understand why it is sometimes hard. And it's a lot easier to just measure butts and seats and effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to lead you to success. So is that why you think people do tend to measure input and effort? Because it's of easier. That? Yeah. It's easier. Um, because it's known. We're so worried about our workers being lazy because our managers are lazy. <laughs> it's like, we're so worried. 
again. Well, and, that's an insight. Yeah. Well, and and we can get to the whole theory X and theory Y thing. Yeah, let's talk about management. that. Explain that because some people may not know. Well, so theory. I, I wish I remembered the author. I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. But theory X and theory Y came out of I think some 1970s re, uh, management research, mm-hmm. and there's just the theory. The idea is that there's two the two different kinds of managers. And it's probably a spectrum that they have two different theories of work. And theory X managers are, uh, I am here to scare effort out of you Mm -hmm. and that people are intrinsically lazy. And the only reason work gets done is because there's a whip involved. Uh, Theory Y managers are, no, people naturally want to be productive. I'm here to facilitate that. Um, And you can see different people on, on different parts of that spectrum. Uh, I think theory X and theory Y is really important from an agile context because agile transformations only work if you have theory Y management. Hmm. And yet so many theory X managers want agile coaches to come in and quote, increase productivity, which is always code for make, make, make my engineers work harder and longer. I mean, that happened with, with me. And granted, I didn't share McGregor's X and Y theory, but I, It happened to me when I was consulting that, like, I come in, I'm talking about agile project management and trying to help the product person talk with the software engineering person. What happened was the product team started being like, all right, well, how many story points are you doing? And it's like, wait, that's measuring, I mean, either input or output, depending on how you look at it. But it's not measuring the relationship between the two. It's right. It's measuring effort. Yeah. If if your story points are an estimate of uh, the complexity of the problem Mm -hmm. and you have zero measurement of the value of the solution, which is often the case. Right. We'll estimate story points and we'll have zero idea how much revenue we're going to get from this. Yeah. You've only measured one side of the equation. Yeah. Then people focus on, I want more story points done. And so there's this pressure to know you need to lower your estimates. And how is this how is this making us money? (laughs) How is this making it? We can talk, you know, privately about I I think labor is exploited a lot. Mm -hmm. I think there is a wealth gap in this country. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of problems here. Mm -hmm. But damn it, we won the Cold War. Capitalism is about increasing profits. Why are we not talking about that? We keep trying to measure these inputs. And frankly, like, again, look at history. If you want somebody who measured inputs and hit quotas, talk to a factory manager out of 1950s USSR. They were amazing at it. You know, this central planning committees and like quotas and numbers and making sure you hit them like that doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. Hmm. That causes everyone to pad the numbers. It hmm. causes everyone to be juke surprised. The stats. Yeah, juke the, stats. <laughs> the wire says. And it causes everyone to be surprised when it all eventually collapses like so none of these tanks existed that were on paper (laughs) like this is the inevitable outcome of Mm. measuring those inputs yeah and like we should be like right profit is value now we can debate over where the profit should go but we do want to maximize that value creation sure is something that we agree on that you and we should wealth inequality is bad overall increasing wealth is good it means everyone has more, theoretically. So why are we not trying to increase output per unit input? Instead, we are just attempting to grind people into producing more input. Well, okay, so I think it goes back to your point about how difficult it is. Okay, so in the case of this product guy I was consulting and, and um, trying to teach about Agile, which is all about increasing value. 
uh, and productivity in, in a way, um, especially lean. Um, so I was talking with him about this and it was honestly too hard for him to do the work of figuring out what was valuable to the client and prioritize. Like, so half the equation was missing. It was like, all right, how many story points is this thing that I'm asking for? Well, the engineer should turn around and say, well, how valuable is it to the client? Like, what's the what's the revenue behind this, right? Like, which is what you're saying. Like, why are we not thinking about profitability? Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's because that, that requires work on the product manager side to go out and find out from clients or try to quantify, which is hard. And if you are somebody who attempts to shirk work and you're a manager, you will assume everyone else is trying to shirk work. So, so let's start the time tracking. Yes. Yeah, so instead of trying to figure out how to find value, because that's hard and I don't want to do it, I'll just make sure everyone I have power over will put in more yeah. to cover for me, which doesn't work. It, it's it's that whole joke of you find a drunk looking for his keys and uh, he's Where's looking. Where's this going? Around, okay, I haven't heard the joke. He's looking around uh, near the streetlight, and you're like, uh, so you lost him near the streetlight? And it's like, no, I lost him out in that field. Like, why are you looking near the streetlight? This is where the light is. It's like, you won't find your keys. Like, we all get the joke. Yeah. You won't find your keys. Just because it's easier to measure doesn't mean it will lead you to success. Mm. But, I I mean, I want to grant that it is hard. Like, I I can't imagine. I've never been on the product management side. I've only worked for and with them. And even, you know, people management, similar. Trying to provide that vision. Trying. And and you said it's out of thin air, but it's kind of not. I mean, there's some research. I mean, you do eventually have to take a risk. But that research is hard. They're moving data points. Like, clients change their minds all the time. You're trying to deal with new inputs in the marketplace as a manager. Trying to think about the macro and the micro economy. So it is difficult. Are there things that you would suggest or tips you would have for iterative incremental change in a software shop or a management or any team, any shop to start targeting productivity? Yes. Okay. This is that part where we know this. This is Linux. We know this. We know it. Let's start by attempting to define those outputs. You can start with profit and work okay. backwards. Yeah. Estimates are better than nothing. By profit, you mean... Revenue minus sure, cost. Sure, 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 sure. But... How do you tie it to specific decisions? You've got to try. Okay. <laughs> like, start somewhere okay. and then figure out... Where you're uh, wrong in your assumptions. Yeah, where you're okay. wrong in your assumptions. If your sales team is giving you certain estimates, they're almost certainly wrong, but they are less wrong than nothing. Yeah. If your marketing team is giving you estimates, less wrong than nothing. If you can combine those less wrong than nothing Mm -hmm. and you get better and better and better especially if you track the results then you can start to correct there that's only step one this is the other well there's a few flaws in these time tracking apps the second is that if i measure it i'm done again this lazy theory x manager's way out i will just measure inputs and i'm done you're not done yeah we're the insights that make those that make change better yeah Yeah, that make change You need to be doing experiments. Mm. You need to be improving things. And there's only so many known ways to improve productivity. So this came from the census.gov. How aligned is your workflow to your industry's economies of scale, scope, and flow? Uh, Software industry is a very flow-based industry. How aligned are your methodologies to that? Are you using truly cross-functional and agile methodologies? Economies of flow being handoffs are super expensive. Human capital or what's otherwise known as the experience curve. Mm -hmm. Another way to increase productivity. Internal innovation, building your own tools, process improvements. Wait, wait. Building your own tools would help with? Yeah. 
you think? As long as you don't get into the not invented here. Oh, sure. Yes, yes, yes. No, we're talking about tools that are bespoke for your problem, not tools you can buy off the shelf. Okay, got it. Right. All right, all right. I'm not, by building your own tools, I'm not (laughs) saying don't go out and buy those other tools. I'm saying have tools. Ah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. And then the, <laughs> the obvious last one, you know, given what we just talked about, would be adoption of external technology. Hmm. So if you have these revenue estimates and you have these effort estimates, and so now you have a productivity estimate, and you want to say what interventions might increase productivity, mm-hmm. it better come from new technology, new methods, training or experience, or better alignment of how we work to how we ought to work. Hmm. which could go under new methods, to be honest. If it's not one of those things, it's gibberish. Simply grinding people harder is not one of those four things. More utilization. Yeah. Yeah. You will increase turnover, get lower quality hires that are willing to put up with your shit. Yeah. You will get more shirking. They're just better at shirking. Who, who's they? Sorry. You will get people that are better oh, at better shirking. better at shirking. Whether or, managers or... And, and let's, yeah, not to go on a too big of a tangent, but another big problem with these things is many managers are like, well, it's better than reputation management or impression management in measuring results. Uh, oh, this person sent so many more emails. Hmm. That's better than me just kind of having a general feel. Well, you need to get a better idea of what your general feeling is. Hmm. But second, it's worse. Because the people that are good at impression management but underperforming mm-hmm. are even better at sending superfluous emails. <laughs> like, if you're worried about people buying, and you can get these devices, buying and installing mouse jigglers, hanging portraits of themselves that can fool cameras, or randomly typing, even with a little, you know, a little uh, bird that takes sips of waters, you know, <laughs> a la Homer Simpson. Yeah. If you're worried about that, that is far easier for somebody who will put in effort to shirk than simple impression management of taking credit for things you didn't do. If you do 360s among the office, over time, people figure out who isn't contributing and who is. Uh, so that's a better method of trying to discover that than measuring, measuring. everything. Because if you're measuring everything, that's easy to game, well, these people are astoundingly good at game. And I mean, uh, this really goes back to measuring what matters, kind of yes. that, that text. Yeah. Because measurement is a good step because if you make something yes. transparent, you can experiment and change and see, you can track your experiments a little better. But you're also saying like you can make things too transparent where it's just noise or you're measuring the wrong thing and aligning incentives in the wrong direction. Yeah. Okay. You will get what you pay for. Yeah. You will always get what you pay for. Yeah. The... The problem of incentives isn't that they don't work. It's that they work astoundingly well. And if you have any flaws in what you're measuring or what you're giving incentives to, it will come out. I mean, you have these bug bounty that people are starting to put bugs into code so that they can have their friend discover it and then they split, split it, it on the other side. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this this is such a bad idea. Yeah. And it, we're not even getting into the drive aspects that incentives cause people to be less creative and innovative. We're just talking about paying for lines of code. You'll get more lines of code. Yeah. You don't want lines you of want? code. Yeah. You want happy customers <laughs> who are willing to pay more for new features or buy more of your services. That's what you want. Or internally, if your client's fellow engineers, you, you want maintainability. Yes. <laughs> Yes. That's a cost thing. You want low cost and high revenues. This isn't hard. Again, you want profit. It's good. You want this stuff. But apparently it's hard. I can't tell you. It's not hard. It's not hard. Your theory. Okay. Well, as a manager, how did you practice this? Your theory X managers are your worst manager. Your theory X managers 
are not good managers. And giving and, them this tool, we just said buying technology makes people more productive. <laughs> what about you, these time tracking apps? You just made your theory X managers more productive, but they are, what are they producing? They're ne producing negative value for your company. You're going to do worse when you empower the people who are too lazy to figure out what will grow revenue. Revenue's gonna grow, I have faith it'll grow, I just need to grind my people harder and then blame everyone else when it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And that's the Theory X manager. How did you try to be a Theory Y manager or how would you recommend that others empower Theory Y managers? So first of all, you've got to recognize that value or, or the valuable outputs are often generated by a team, not an individual. If I have a report who's great at slapping code on a page, turning requirements into working stuff, then I have another report who's great at finding all the little intricacies in a peer review. They're going to do better together, mm. right? It's a Dungeons and Dragons party. You each play a role. If you just, you know, measure damage output, well, guess what? Your party has no healers. Mm. Uh, your party has no tanks. Mm. And so, and this is just general strategy. You play to your strengths and then you get partners to cover your weaknesses. So a team is going to be more productive than a group of individuals if they can work in this way. Mm -hmm. And one surefire way to have that fall apart is to measure their individual productivity by some arbitrary mm -hmm. standard. That doesn't have anything to do with their specific strengths. So you want to measure at the team level. Mm -hmm. You want to measure productivity. Mm -hmm. You want to use those measurements as targets for interventions that we just mentioned. Yep. New technologies, methods. new methods. Mm -hmm. And in terms of that internally developed tooling or human capital, you want to be asking people to improve. You don't want to be asking people for more. I mean, I want more for the same level of input. Yeah. Uh, I don't want people to burn out. Right. I don't want them to figure out how to work from the bathroom. How can we get slightly more? Hmm. What are the bottlenecks in your personal process? Yeah. And you just measure them compared to themselves hmm. on on the things, especially that they're good at. Yeah. Don't focus too much on the things that they're bad at so long as the team can cover for them. Mm -hmm. If they're a superstar in something and they work well with others, then the team's better off that they focus on being that healer or tank or damage per second person. Yeah. You don't need to tell the tank, I was like, I haven't seen you cast one healing spell. I was like, that's not what I do. That's not why I'm here. Why are you measuring me? Yeah. This has been really, really helpful. I feel like there's so much more we could talk about. And <laughs> I know personally we will, especially going into the capitalism versus communism approach to theory of labor and productivity. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover today? Because I, I see our little one is up. Look. She's stirring on her monitor, lifting her head, ready to crawl around in her crib and make some noise. So anything else we didn't cover? One of the things you can do on that I didn't mention is if you do see somebody outperforming, have them do a tech talk. They're outperforming because of some reason, some mm, method. Mm -hmm. They need or to tool. share that. Yeah. And that's a way to d get rid of that competition. If you yeah. are doing better than your colleagues on virtually everything, then help us teach your colleagues. Yeah. There's got to be some way that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, if we get into, oh, you're just taking credit for more and that sort of thing, <laughs> sure, sure. well, then let's discover that. The last part that uh, I'll just try and blow through as quickly as possible, and this is a major flaw in this m measuring these time tracking apps, is they're all based on this false assumption What's that, that you're basically trying to target this 40 hour, like, did you do 40 hours at your computer? Mm. But if you actually look at how many hours people work before the remote revolution, yeah. it wasn't a lot. There really? was There was a UK study in this uh, Glamour article that we'll link to uh, where people were reporting about two and a half hours a day. Now, I think that's probably what? a low end. But I remember even back at uh, in defense, we were told, look, you can schedule for eight hours a day, but only expect four to six hours of actual production. 
Huh. And that wasn't just meetings and stuff. That was downtime, blockers, contact switching, and all this other overhead. Yeah. These time trackers don't even know what they're trying to solve, mm -hmm. right? They are products for people who don't know that people don't put in eight hours a day. It's this false assumption. It's this myth. And it's like, well, you can get this myth back. On the capitalism, communism thing, this gets into why on earth are we at work for eight hours, if not more a day, if we're only putting in two and a half? This is a big... Because the union. <laughs> this gets into a big question in economics. Like Keynes said, if productivity continues to improve at the rate it's improving back in the 60s and mm -hmm. 50s, we should only have it like a 10-hour work week by 2020. And we don't. Damn. But our our days are filled up with all of this I mean, we do work. if you listen to the Glamour article. Yeah. Two and a half exactly. hours times five exactly. is about 10. Exactly. We do have a 10-hour work week. <laughs> but because it is socially unacceptable to not be in your seat for 40 hours hmm. to appease these Theory X managers that don't know what they're doing, we have this weird dichotomy where we just have to show up and pretend to work and create all this bullshit work that never goes anywhere. We have become less productive per hour, I would argue. See, that's the thing for me is I feel like I, I pride myself on not getting distracted, on like spending eight plus hours on something. And what I'm realizing is I was probably you... just trying to fill the the day with things to be productive because I hate not doing, I hate not being busy. I hate not doing something, but I was just increasing input. I wasn't was, necessarily. Nobody else knows this, but she was the most productive person that anybody that. had ever seen. You know how much of my stuff got thrown out? <laughs> like, despite being asked for it, it was like, oh no, well, we're not going to do that. <laughs> like, so I think that's the thing is I could have been doing more research on what do you actually, what do you actually want? Because otherwise I'm just going to spin my wheels here. Because uh, I, I hate not doing something. So th this has been helpful for me. I hope it's been helpful for other managers out there. If you like what you heard today, follow our podcast. We're available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check us out on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. Join the conversation there and on our blog at www.guildmasterconsulting.com slash blog. We're on a mission to make jobs suck less one manager at a time. So if you not only found this interesting, but you want to help, please do share, like, and subscribe with others. Uh, it will help. <laughs>